Hey, it's James Tiley. Johnny Fry and I sit down with Charlie Morris, who's the CIO at Bite Tree Asset Management. We discuss his article that he wrote, Do not choose between gold and Bitcoin. Own both. Basically, you don't need much Bitcoin to make money when things are going well, but you do need quite a lot of gold. And moreover, it's highly unlikely that gold and Bitcoin will both be overvalued at the same time, since they're naturally counter-cyclical. There's no need to choose between gold and Bitcoin, but to combine them for their strengths and weaknesses. This combination on a risk-weighted basis is a powerful idea and is the liquid alternative offering exposure to gold and Bitcoin. So I'm delighted today to be joined by Charlie Morris, who's CIO of Bike Tree Asset Management. And Charlie, you've written an article, Do Not Choose Between Bitcoin and Gold, Own Both. And then you've come up with something called Bold. I thought that was a, a washing powder. What, what's going on then? Well, it was a song by um, Duran Duran, was it? <laughs> it was. <laughs> very true. Very true. Maybe we can get um, James later on to sort of uh, plug that into uh, into your podcast. But 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 back to that, you know, look, we've seen a lot of volatility in, in, in Bitcoin price in the last sort of six months in particular. Um, but but can you just talk us through your your sort of thesis, your idea in terms of, you know, the security and supply of Bitcoin and gold? Well, yeah, on the supply side, these two things are very similar. And, and that's no coincidence because the uh, Bitcoin creator uh, basically saw, saw gold, thought, well, that's a good idea, limited supply, monetary asset, how do we recreate that on the internet? Blockchain technology was obviously instrumental in making all of this possible. And he recognized that if you could have confidence by limited supply, that would that would work and you could have um, digital gold of some kind. I guess that was a sort of simple starting point. And, um, you know, good idea. It did catch on. And then the sort of people who don't really get it sort of say, oh, yes, but you can have infinite number of different Bitcoins. And I would say, well, there are infinite number of different Bitcoins um, with lots of different names. And some of them are quite humorous, but none of them have demand. So what Bitcoin is, is a, is a limited supply, limited supply story uh, combined with uh, robust demand. And this idea was only going to have a um, one winner because it's a natural monopoly, a bit like, you know, Facebook or WhatsApp. It's a natural monopoly. And so, uh, you know, Bitcoin is it. Bitcoin is the Internet's version of gold. Um, it behaves differently, of course, because it's a risk on asset. It loves risk on times. It hates, hates it when the stock market's falling. It's never, never enjoyed that much. And um, so I came to the simple conclusion, having followed gold for 25 years and Bitcoin for eight and a bit, that, um, you know, if you could combine risk on, risk off, you know, Bitcoin for the good times, gold for the bad, and then weight them on a risk adjusted basis, which is a simple thing to do if you know a little bit about finance. Um, there you have it. There's the World One Index. Okay, so can we can we can we just uh, for for some of the listeners, risk on is I I'm happy to be more risky in my portfolio. I'm looking for higher risk, high volatile assets. Risk off is probably what we have now, where people are a little bit nervous, confidence is a little bit sort of shaky, and therefore people tend to put their money into to gold as a safe haven. Is, is that to sort of paraphrase? Is that is that have I got the correct sort of gist there? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what you would do to embrace those regimes. But basically, risk off means the stock market is going up and risk off means it's going down. Um, but right now, we've got an unusual risk off because it's not just the stock market that's going down, it's the bond market as well. And so these things are supposed to behave differently. And um, they haven't done. And the reason for that is because we've had, you know, 10 plus years of, of easy money and stimulus from our central banks pushing up asset prices higher, bonds and equities at the same time. And so in the good old days, when you used to have them behave differently, they now behave 
um, more similarly. And by the way, the last time this happened in space was was really during the last time we had lots of inflation in the 1970s. So, you know, it all comes back together. And the beauty of Bitcoin and gold is they're not manipulated by the, our great central bankers. And so they behave differently. Gold likes it when the, the times are terrible and Bitcoin um, likes it when the times are good. OK, and, and you put a really interesting chart in here um, that looks at gold and Bitcoin volatility. Can you just come, you know, should give us some talk us through a little bit? I, I appreciate this is a podcast and, and you've, you've put a, a visual aid in there. Um, but obviously listeners can. And at the end of the show, we'll give out the relevant email address that people can get a copy of your article, the hyperlinks. Anything. But, but what, what are you trying to get across in this article? What does what, what sorry, what does this chart actually show us when comparing gold and Bitcoin volatility? Well, that's the one that's sort of checkers board, isn't it? Yeah. And. And basically, what it's telling you is how to weight a portfolio. So if um, gold, which typically has 15% volatility, which, which means um, on a typical day, the price moves less than 1%. Yeah, about, about 0.9% mathematically is what it's telling you. And yeah. Bitcoin has about 60% volatility over the last year, which tells you on a, on a typical day, Bitcoin would move 4 or 5%. And so if you're trying to balance a portfolio where one thing's moving less than a percent and the other thing's moving, you know, four or five percent, um, then guess what? You put one one fifth into into the volatile one and four fifths into the calm one. And you should end, you should meet in the middle on what's called a risk adjusted basis. Now, the reason this works so well in gold and Bitcoin is you tend to have a world where Bitcoin goes up one day. Uh, and gold goes down, and then when 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 Bitcoin's going up, gold's going down, and so um, you know you put those things together, you end up with an extraordinarily smooth outcome. Okay, and your company Bytree, you've been measuring the what you refer to as the on-chain traffic um, of sort of seven hundred fifty million transactions, and and you're talking about. You know, there being some sort of transaction there of what eight billion a day. So there is reasonable liquidity that we're already seeing in, in Bitcoin. Yeah, massive. I mean, to put it in perspective, you know, gold and Bitcoin are the two most liquid alternative assets in the world. That means off grid, non financial, don't pay a yield, etc. Um, you know, what are liquid alternative assets? Well, art, fine wine, sports cars, Renoirs. These things are not liquid. They might be good long term stores of value, but they're not liquid. And there aren't many liquid. Um, um, alternative assets so you can look to the commodity space but basically most commodities you can't actually own you can own i mean you can trade oil but you can't own it in the sense that um if you over a 10-year period you'd have a you know a, a sort of weird stuff from the futures curve which we can not talk about or talk about as you wish but basically you don't end up with the return from oil that you might expect it's typically going to be a lot less uh, because of because of weird things in the market. Uh, but with precious metals, you can actually own them. So we look at the precious metals, the stores of value, uh, gold, and gold is massively more liquid than something like silver. When we go to crypto, uh, we find that Bitcoin's got about $40 billion a day of liquidity. But the point, the number you're pointing to is what, is what we calculate at Bytree, which is the on-chain. And so that's the, the, the amount of liquidity that goes across the blockchain. Now, of course, much trading trading activity that happens in gold and Bitcoin never really gets settled, um, either on the blockchain or in the vaults. Um, you know, the futures contracts, they don't, they don't really move the gold around every time you press buttons. Um, they, they sort of do it on settlement at the end of a period. And so it's the same kind of thesis. But the two, the two assets are uh, massively liquid, and that's, that's really important. And in crypto, um, there's, there's really nowhere else to go. Um, in the same way in precious metals. I mean, you know, gold is massively superior in liquidity to silver in the same way Bitcoin is massively superior in liquidity to anything else. 
Okay, so you've, you, as you say, you've got daily liquidity running at sort of 40 odd billion compared to, this is in Bitcoin, compared to yeah. silver of about 15 billion. Mm. What about the, the, the skeptics that say, yeah, but Bitcoin is invented by the CIA and it, it gets manipulated? Look at Elon Musk. You know, if he says something, then Bitcoin price goes up or down. Is, is it a fair market that for even some of the unsophisticated investors to have a little bit of a dabble in? Well, yeah, but I mean, that, that's true for, for many things. I mean, the thing is that Bitcoin's caught a lot of people's imagination. And so there's a lot of talk about it. Um, similarly, stocks like Tesla. I mean, Elon, Elon Musk says plenty of things about Tesla, and that seems to put the, the share price up. And when it comes to a boring stock like, you know, Unilever or Procter & Gamble or something or Nestle, I mean, the, the, no one's talking about it in the same way. You know, no one says, well, you know, Unilever's ice cream's really tasty and Everyone queues around the building and gets really excited, and the price doubles. It just doesn't happen because you know you're dealing with a completely different situation. Bitcoin and crypto is deemed to be super exciting, and so therefore there's lots of chat around it, and it's full of rumors and all the rest of it. But that's fine, you know. That's why it's volatile. But at the end of the day, there's a framework by which um, the whole thing behaves, and I think that if you can can embrace crypto with a sort of long term um, horizon and, and cut through that noise. You know, it makes a lot more sense. I mean, there's a real, I think there's a real need for a um, alternative digital asset. You know, I think, the, I think the fact that it's possible means it's going to succeed. Okay. And going on to the, the, the bold index, that the, the Duran Duran song or the washing powder we were talking at the very beginning of the podcast. So my understanding is 80% goes into gold, 20% to Bitcoin. And then once a month, um, you, you, you rebalance. So, so if gold has gone gone up as a percentage then you'll sell a bit of gold and buy some more bitcoin or if bitcoin suddenly bounced hugely then you'll sell a bit of bitcoin and and put some um, rebalance at 80 20 i you buy a bit of gold that is simplicity yeah is that about right it's about right except the 80 20 does change because it, it, it's calculated from the volatility so each month we'll look at the volatility of the two coins sorry of the, of the gold and the bitcoin and, uh, and and the calculation um, of whether it's 80-20 or not will be a result of those inputs. It's typically around 80-20 over the last couple of years, uh, within a percent or two of that. But it, yeah, it does move around. But basically, if Bitcoin if Bitcoin volatility came down to gold's levels, or if they met in the middle um, in the future, then the fund um, or the index would be 50-50. And, and how do you physically get exposure to gold and Bitcoin? Are you using derivatives like futures, or are you actually going in and buying um, physical Bitcoin and, you know bars of gold well the index just measures things so i think you're talking about products that would invest you know would track the bold one index so a product that tra- would track the gold but the bold one index um would would um, implement that by going and buying real gold or real bitcoin um and uh, and the interest of regulation uh, there is a product which i cannot discuss i'm afraid yeah no that's 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 fair enough that's fair enough okay so what this potentially then gives you then, it gives you exposure if if you are to see gold suddenly take off because people have said historically it's a great inflation hedge, you've got a reasonable chunk of money in, in gold. But likewise, if we suddenly see Bitcoin going from, it's around about 20 odd thousand at the moment, if it goes back to its sort of heady highs of over 60,000, I know some people say claim it goes high as a million. You, you, you've got indirectly, you're going to get some exposure to Bitcoin because you have a proportion of that type index in, in that sort of asset class. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, one day we're, we're in a bear market in asset prices today and, and one day that will end. And when that ends, suddenly the, the lofty bid will come off gold and, um, and then risky assets will go up again. 
And so, you know, by having a, a diversified portfolio that, that, that looks at both sides, then you're covered. And that's the same principle of why people own bonds and equities. So they don't really have to think about market timing. They just know that if their portfolio is rebalanced to, let's say, 60% equities, 40% bonds, which is a sort of classic, um, and they keep doing that, they know that they can get on with their job of, you know, being a doctor or whatever it is uh, without having to worry because they know that's a good long-term solution. And we're just yeah. saying the same thing in, in Bitcoin Gold. It's, a, it's, a, it's an okay. alternative asset equivalent to a 60-40 portfolio. Okay. And Charlie, be- before we go, I'm, I'm interested. You, we were talking just before the show and you were saying intrinsically um, you could see why, um, well, gold is just a, lump, it's just a, it's a rock. It's just a commodity. Um, and, and Bitcoin could, could go to zero. But on the other hand, the... the the consensus that the, the 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 there is demand, there is a network effect almost. C- could you expand a little bit more on that for listeners? Yes. So, you know, what's the difference between, you know, gold and another traditional alternative asset, for example, sports cars, grand pianos, um, you name it. Even second-hand cars in Argentina are seen as, a, as an inflation hedge. So, you know, all of these things are real and, and will protect you against inflation over the long run. Now, gold, if it wasn't a big liquid market, and some people call it a, pre- a pet rock as a sort of um, uh, a way to bash it because they don't think it's a financial asset and welcome in portfolios, despite all the evidence saying that a portfolio should have 8% gold in it, um, which not just from me, but from many academic studies. It mm-hmm. improves risk-adjusted returns on many levels. And the, the liquidity really does change everything because it makes it more valuable. So if gold was just an element, just one of gold's elements alongside all the others, um, it would be, you know, you go to the builder's merchant and you say, okay, I'd like a rock. And it's not free, is it? A rock is not free. It costs quite a lot. If you actually want a big lorry full of rocks, it'll cost you quite a lot, horse hand or whatever. Now, gold, even in that, in that environment of not being a monetary asset, you go, well, that's shiny and pretty. I'll pay more for that than I would. And by the way, you probably built quite a good strong house out of gold. So surely it would trade at a premium to, to rock or sand. But then you've got this sort of monetary premium. The fact that every single culture on earth um, has a, has a, has a, inkling for gold they you know they love it it's it's embedded in our culture in wedding rings and um and all, all sorts of references through through history to it and it's been a part of our system and the central banks own it and um it's a well, big, apart from big, apart from the bank of england no they still own it they didn't sell all of it i thought they only had one bar in their museum no, well, I mean, okay, that sounds conspiracy theory. They still have quite a lot of gold reserves. Um, but, you know, the fact is that you can pick up the phone and buy a billion dollars of gold and you can sell it 20 seconds later for a tight spread. I mean, that yeah. there aren't many assets in the world you can do that. Um, yeah. And that itself is, is hugely valuable. Now, when we come to crypto, Bitcoin is the contender. Uh, Bitcoin has this thing. So the intrinsic value of Bitcoin is is probably zero. I would agree with that. So if you take you know, what Warren Buffett said the other day, is if he bought all the Bitcoins, he wouldn't buy all the Bitcoins for $25. But he showed his ignorance of crypto. And I'm, I'm his biggest fan in, 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 in the old world investment. But he, 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 he kind of said, well, if I, I wouldn't buy all the Bitcoins for $25, well, he's right not to buy them all. Because if you could buy all the Bitcoins, you'd, be, you'd suddenly have zero value. Because yep. you wouldn't be able to to exchange these with anyone. It's, you know, my, my my analogy would be a bit like owning all the telephones. If you owned all the telephones, there's no one to call. So, yeah. but Buffett would, you know, it would be stupid to own them all. But the, but the, but that's not the point of it. You want to own. But by owning Bitcoin, you are, are a part um, shareholder, as it were, in this valuable network. 
And in the same way that gold has a premium over its pet rock value for, you know, being a shiny, nice thing that, that, that yep. one of God's elements, there's, there's a, you know, a legitimate premium for the fact that there's huge amounts of liquidity and you have a high degree of faith that they'll continue to be in 10, 20, 30 years time. That, that is why Bitcoin's going up. It's because there's more and more belief um, that, that that is true. And obviously, as you say, this year hasn't been great. And this last quarter has been the second worst on record. You have to go back to 2011 to find a quarter that's worse than minus 59%. So that's pretty brutal stuff. But I have it that Bitcoin is undervalued and the network is holding up well. Um, and, and this is an opportunity for those who, who get it over the long term and want exposure to it. But, you know, most people don't get it particularly people yeah. in, 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 in uh, traditional finance. Well, and it's interesting. We're doing some analysis for a client earlier on, and we were just saying, well, okay, what happens in the last, just take the last three years, you'd invested £50 a month into gold, um, the US stock market, or Bitcoin. So you'd have invested $1,800. Um, um, and you're, you know, the US stock market, your money's worth, this is excluding charges, um, just over £2,100. So it's gone up 17%. It's not bad. Um, gold, well, it's worth 1867 so it's gone up just under 4%. Bitcoin, even though we've had the volatility all over the place, it's worth $4,700. Uh, so that's an increase of 160%. So even though we've had a lot of volatility um, over the longer term, just by putting a small amount every month into Bitcoin, you can see why there are people saying, well, isn't this a good investment? But I, I, I suppose I just want to come back, though, just quickly, uh, Charles, to your, your point about liquidity. Um, a lot of people complain there is lack of liquidity in, say, penny shares, or certainly there's lack of liquidity in in physical assets. You've mentioned art, cars, real estate is another one. So what we're saying is that there's a premium attached to things like gold and Bitcoin because of that liquidity and the ability of people to move monies around. Um, and that in itself creates value because of that network effect. Absolutely. And it's sticky because it's a natural monopoly. So right. if, if Bitcoin had competition from Litecoin or something, that would be a problem. But it doesn't. It's one. It's the whole idea of Internet store of value, that category of crypto, which is Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, BSV, Bitcoin, Satoshi Vision, Bitcoin Cash. I could go on. There are thousands of them. Yeah. They're all worth zero apart from Bitcoin. Now, Ethereum is not in that category. Ethereum and those sort of things. That's like the Bitcoin post office. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, in the same way, you know, you've got the, the, the sectors in the stock market, you know, the healthcare is not in competition with the, the media companies, for example. So it's, it's, you know, I think that it's fair to say that Bitcoin is the, is the winner in store of value. And as that confidence is built, um, then the price goes up. Now, why has it gone down this year? Well, macro rates, um, everything bubble, unwinding. Risk off again, um, what you said earlier on. Risk off, you know, other things. And um, and so I think that, you know, one has to take that into consideration. A lot of things are going wrong at the same time. But yeah. I think also Bitcoin is the first to drop because it's always the first to drop. And then it's the first to recover. Well, um, it's it, probably first to drop because you can sell it because it's got liquidity. Well, there, there you go. And if you take a yeah. small cap growth stock that's got no, that doesn't make money, then the intrinsic value of the stock is zero and, and the liquidity factor is zero. So, you know, that's not a great place to be at times like this. Um, yeah. Now, if you have a house, the liquidity might be low, but at least the intrinsic value is good. You know, the price you want, you might not get that, but, but at least it's a house and it's got lots of intrinsic value. So you can play these off, you know, to have a liquid assets that have intrinsic value is, is fine. And to have liquid stocks with less intrinsic value, then that's also fine. But you don't want to be on the wrong side of both. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. James, be, be, before we wrap up, um, I understand you bought a bacon sandwich for one and a half Bitcoin. That, that's a bit pricey, isn't it? 
Yeah, I paid approximately $45,000 for a... Now, it was 2012, I ah. think. And, oh, uh, 2012. It was the Got equivalent it. of $1.89 <laughs> back then. But yeah, to... I hope you enjoyed it. Right, but, you know, to his point, I didn't think that Bitcoin was going to become what it is at the time. You know, it was cool. It was It was play money. It had no value to me as a human, especially being on Wall Street. I'm like, so this is like a fake PayPal, right? Okay. But when I was able to buy the sandwich, I had said to myself, well, you know, I have something of real value in my hand, uh, and I'm going to destroy it in a moment, right? A little ketchup, a little salt and pepper. And I ate it. I said, well, just, I got something of real value out of this. And then I started, that's what made me look into Bitcoin more. And oh. back then... I hadn't thought of it as gold. I thought of it as cash. I don't want to say more recently, but as I grew, as I became a man, and I started trading it, I treated it like an equity. Rumors, buy the rumors, sell the news, buy the dip. And as it matured, I decided to myself that it's actually more stable than what you see coming out as of recent, right? Uh, I mean, I thought it was more stable than... Even during the ICO craze of 2017, I was like, you know what? Bitcoin is almost a safe haven. And this is in my scope as being, you know, risk on. I'm a risk on kind of guy, by the way. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, overall, though, Mike, I had a question for Charlie was if you were to zoom out, you know how they tell you to zoom out? Just zoom out. Everything looks great when you zoom out. But if you zoom out in life and you say, all right, the United States had this big gold rush in the 1800s. We started exploring the whole country. It was our quest to find as much gold as possible. We bought an entire state over it. Well, two states, really, right? We bought Alaska just for the gold and later on the oil. If you were to zoom out in the Bitcoin world, would you think that we're around the 1800s of the gold rush? Or are we now at the point where the gold's being handed out to everybody? Yeah, I mean... Gold, gold's quite an interesting history to it because obviously it was the center of the financial system for, for most of history. And there's a reason for that. But, and, and I think this doesn't get talked about much. But I always say that gold's the original fintech because it's physical properties, you know, the 19.3 um, density, you know, kilos per whatever, uh, um, per, per unit, you know, I can't remember what density is so physics so long ago, but um, you know, really heavy. Eight, Nineteen times point, nineteen point three times heavy in the water per per unit um, volume. And so, so that makes it hard to forge. I mean, there is tungsten, of course, which is pretty similar, but it looks shiny. Doesn't go. Um, it doesn't go um, uh, uh, rusty or whatever. So you can travel around the world with this stuff, and it's pretty easy to check and validate that that this value reference is a global constant, pre in a world pre communications. And modern communications, okay, we've got, you know, the telegraph, which is 100 and something years old. And, um, and then we've got computing and networking, sort of 50 years old or what have you. And notice how the fiat uh, monetary system came around in the 70s when it was possible. So before that, it would have been impossible to have had a fiat monetary system because we wouldn't have been able to, to do a foreign exchange and to make prices um, in, the same, in different countries at the same time. So, you know, gold was, was very useful in, in obviously um, providing discipline for the economic system because of its limited supply. But that also caused problems. Um, you know, the fact there was, there was in a fixed regime, there's always a winner and a loser. And, um, and, and ultimately that, that system uh, didn't work out. And, and, and fear replaced it because it could. 
and it couldn't have done they couldn't have made that decision 100 years before or 50 years before so i think that is interesting to think of gold as a fintech and then you know as gold deformalized from the system um you know it had its it had its boom in the inflation era because it was undervalued in the early 70s to overvalued in 80 and then 20 years deflating as as people said it's irrelevant we don't need this anymore uh, but you know in the 20th century gold has outperformed the s&p 500 including dividends which not many people seem to realize and uh, despite not doing that much in the last 10 years and it's you know it's 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 a real thing in my opinion it's an important alternative asset an alternative asset is there to say, you know, when the financial system is going going wonky, um, there are other things to do. And, and, and gold is there and Bitcoin is now a contender. We've now got a second choice, not just silver, but we've now got um, uh, Bitcoin and the rest of crypto. But by the way, I think I put, I put Bitcoin into the alternative asset category. And I think I put crypto into the new NASDAQ category. I think over the next decade, there will be lots of winners in, in, in crypto. But anything centralized, proof of stake, um, that sort of thing, which is going to be regulated and overseen um, with board of directors and so forth. These, these sorts of things, I think, are more, we should think of them as, as tech, as computing, as the new NASDAQ, whereas something that's going to be proof of work, uh, like Bitcoin, with a very different job, um, will be seen very much as an alternative asset. But we haven't seen that divergence yet, but I think we will over the next decade. Okay, okay. Charlie, um, that, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for, um, you know, for sharing your article. And, um, you know, we'll be I'm sure we'll be back soon um, with another episode and update on some things that are going on. But uh, thank you for joining us. And thank you, James, for um, everything today. Thank you very much. Yeah, I feel like I'm hungry now for a bacon and egg cheese sandwich. I think I'll use my Visa card, though. For more information on this podcast, visit ByteTree.com, click on company and contact us. Otherwise, email info at ByteTree.com.